The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. So you're stuck in a job, a relationship, an attitude, a life stance... The worst part is you know you're stuck. You want out, but you don't know what, you, what to do next. Or you don't know which of the few options would work best. What do you do now? Not knowing is a place just as important as the place of knowing. There's some things, some very real things that can come out of not knowing. This show is all about what to do when you don't know what to do. If you've arrived at that sacred ground of uncertainty, this show is for you. So be here for the whole of it. So... In America, in the West, I should say, not just America, in the West, our culture uh, is a hurry-up kind of culture. We want uh, to hurry up and get there. We want to hurry up and make the money. We want to hurry up and arrive at our career goals. We want to hurry up and, and have the relationship, the, the children, the uh, big house and the white picket fence, all of it. We want to have it all right now. And unfortunately... It is my belief that the New Age movement has helped facilitate that kind of thinking, that uh, immediate gratification kind of thinking. Um, not, it's not by itself, by any means. We have developed that culture over time as we have, uh, after the Depression, become more and more lucrative and as we see more and more of our neighbors and friends becoming millionaires and even multimillionaires, we begin to say, well, I want that and I want that and I want that and how come they have that and I don't have that. So there's a lot of that too. But in the New Age uh, movement, and I'm not talking about the New Thought or the New uh, or the Human Potential movement. I am talking about the New Age movement, where uh, the law of attraction has really uh, sort of become a dominant theme in every uh, every encounter with a new uh, sort of New Age kind of philosophy. We see that uh, we are supposed to be attracting those things that we want and need, and, and then if we're not attracting those things that we want and need, then we're, there's something wrong with us. We're not doing it right, and we need to get ourselves together. And the thing that is wrong, usually, that we think, is, is found in the unconscious, and we need to go in there and, and, and you know stomp around on the gravestones and raise the dead and all kinds of things in our unconscious, and, and then we'll be able to have what we want. But, of course, we have to do that yesterday. We have to do that really rapidly because what we want is eluding us and eluding us every day that we don't have it. So that that thinking is uh, a perpetual damning of the self, A, and B, it is also a way of saying, 
you're not there yet, you're not there yet, you're not there yet, you're not there yet. And when we aren't there yet, we are have that longing to be there, and we can't help but think about it. And in the meantime, we also have the new thought and the human potential movement telling us to stay in the present moment, stay in the present moment, be here now. Um, so we've got this sort of conflict in the spiritual philosophies going on that tell us that we need to be both having everything we need and staying in the now, which we pull down to, if you kind of put those things together, what we do is we pull that down to one single um, sort of economic way of living, which says, I'm supposed to have it all now. That's pretty simple. You know, I'm just supposed to have it all now. And if I don't, I must be failing. I haven't gotten there yet. So, you know, we're quite often stuck in that mindset. And that mindset is as, as absolutely a mindset that will have to crash and burn because it's not truth. And any mindset that is not, uh, is not actual truth will ultimately, one lifetime after another or another, uh, crash and burn because it's just not truth. And truth ultimately has its way, ultimately. Uh, not in the everydays necessarily. Uh, we watched the uh, election last night. We uh, saw that the Republicans took over uh, the Senate, and uh, for for many that was a great thing. For others, it was not such a great thing. And and uh, there's some anxiety on the part of the Democrats, worrying that now we won't be able to accomplish anything. And and that same anxiety, I'm sure, was there for the Republicans when they did not have control of the Senate. So when we, uh, when we sort of, the pendulum shifts from one philosophy to another, and there's definitely a distinction between the Republican philosophy and the Democratic philosophy, um, when it shifts from one to the other, it's just evidence that our psyches haven't really settled on the truth yet. Uh, when we settle on the truth, the pendulum will sw- sit somewhere in the middle. It'll stop shifting. It may be a little bit of shifting, but not, you know, these major swings from one side of the polarity to the other. So we've just switched to the other polarity, and I think when we go back um, to something that we that we used to do, and what we tend to do is um, think, oh my gosh, that means we failed. But I think when we go back to 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 do something that we used to do, and I do think that's what this shift is about. That's what my opinion is. You don't have to agree. Um, we're going backwards, um, to, but the purpose of that is to get something we left back there. So we're going to find something that we left back there, and we're going to take it with us into the future, and that's important. So I guess we've got to go there. It's kind of like you forgot something at home. You know, you're, on, you're halfway to work, and you've forgotten something, and you have to have it. So you've got to go back home and get it. So that's what we're doing. We're going back home to get that thing. Um, so... Uh, so, okay, so in, back to the topic ma- mainly here today is that we need to know what to do when we don't know what to do. And that thing of knowing is a big deal to us because it, not knowing makes us feel very, very insecure because we believe that knowing is everything. In the East, there's not that same belief system that knowing is everything. And the belief not knowing allows room for mystery. Um, excuse me. In the East, not knowing allows room for mystery. But in the West, not knowing means there's something wrong with you. You haven't figured it out yet. I used to work with a lot of students um, from universities, international students and American students both, who came to see me for counseling because they were very, very concerned that they did not yet know what their career objectives were. They were 18, 19, 20, 21 years old, and they didn't know what their life was going to be like. 
And they were surprised at themselves for that and felt like utter failures. And their parents felt like they were utter failures. How can you be this age and not know what to do with yourself? But, you know, at 18, 19, 20 years old, why is it that we're supposed to know what we're going to do for the rest of our lives? Why, 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 who said that? Who wrote that rule? Our school systems did, and our school systems uh, need to be junked, in my opinion. And We need to start all over again with a brand-new school system that keeps the student in mind instead of the disciplinarian, uh, the teacher, the objectives of the government, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We need to keep the student in mind, and our students are telling us that every day. Um, but... Yeah, this this uncertainty thing is just a very difficult thing for us. And so we put all kinds of pressure on ourselves to know. And we put all kinds of pressures on our friends to know. And we put all kinds of pressures on our children to know. And so that's a big part of this problem of not knowing what to do. We think we're supposed to know. But what we need to understand, what we need to know is that um, is that not knowing is sacred ground. And by sacred ground, I also mean fertile ground. Not only do we need to take our shoes off, but we need to use our heel to plow the ground and plant the seeds for what's coming up next. And the seeds are thoughts. The seeds are um, ideas. The seeds are, are, are exciting, adventurous, creative ideas that we might have. And so we plant those and we see what happens. And we don't have to know what's going to happen. And we don't even have to know whether or not we even will like our idea in five years. Um, there's a lot of people, particularly in the West, who tell us that we should have five-year goals and ten-year goals. And if we don't, well, we're just going to slip off the continuum somewhere and land in hell. Um, by the seat, on, on the seat of our pants in hell. And, you know, we, I hear that. Almost daily in my practice, and I'm sure you hear it on the news and in, on, in sitcoms and everywhere, you have to have objectives. You have to have goals. You have to. In my treatment planning, it was taught to us years ago that we had to have treatment planning goals. You had to be going somewhere with your client. You just couldn't, couldn't meander, meander through their psyches without a given goal. Well, um, and, and, and so, and clients generally do have a goal when they come in. They want to have peace of mind when they're anxious. They want to stop being depressed. They want to, you know, they want to, uh, get their marriage back on track. They, you know, something like that. But the truth is that that's not all the way they want. And there's lots of stuff that, that, that comes into the equation that can't be put on a treatment plan that is, uh, the, the truth about where they're going. And, um, if we do try to put it on a treatment plan, then uh, we're going to have to be very careful about how we put it on the treatment plan because um, insurance companies will come along and go, that's not really a, that's not real. No, you can't do it that way. So there is a dictate in our country about, uh, 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 about how we need to be thinking in terms of our goals and objectives. And um, so it's everywhere. It's just everywhere. It starts when children are very small uh, from, from the, kindergarten on where they should know how to drive, uh, how to write, excuse me, not how to drive, how to write. And they should be really working on this at three. They should really be headed in that direction because if they're not, uh uh-oh, my kid's going to be behind the others and we can't have that. Again, we need to junk the the, uh, current education system and start over with something that has a balance on uh, leaning toward children, not our systems. So uh, the... So in, in terms of uncertainty, in terms of not knowing, in terms of feeling stuck, there is a lot of pressure that we put on ourselves to make that right. 
And here's what I want to say in uh, this very, very important principle to everything else we're going to say today. Not knowing is not wrong. Not knowing is not a failure. Not knowing is not, um, does not testify to your, the, the quality of your character. It does not indicate that you're going to be a failed person. Oh my gosh, you're going to end up doing some, some job that nobody thinks much of because you, you, have, you don't yet know what you want to do for the rest of your life. Um, th- that's not what the not knowing indicates. Not knowing indicates that creativity is right around the corner. That's what it indicates. And that's all it indicates. So it's actually a very good time. And if we could think of it that way, we could take loads and loads and loads of pressure off of ourselves to uh, perform, to measure up, to jump the hurdle, to, to get there, to be there yesterday. All those things that we put pressure on ourselves to do would be gone if we could just think of not knowing as a time of gestation. So once upon a time, when a woman became pregnant, she did not know whether her child was going to be a boy or a girl, whether it was going to be twins or quadruplets. And she, these were unknowns. And it was unknown for nine months until the baby was born or the babies were born. And that's when she knew and not until. And um, when I had my children, I had the choice about whether or not I would know. And I decided not to know, although intuitively I absolutely did know. Um, but, but, but you see that, that thing says, okay, a gestation is taking place, and I want to be present for what's going on inside of me, not necessarily just the outcome. And that is the beauty of not knowing, that you get to be present with what's going on inside of me right now and really getting to know yourself on a deeper level rather than thinking in terms of the outcome. Because once we know the outcome, we're, start, we're in, back into the external world. We're planning. We're making objectives. We're deciding, oh, okay, this is my outcome. Okay, so now here's what I'm going to do about that. And here's how I'm going to, you know, get my taxes done. And here's how I'm going to, what car, I'm going to buy this car because I need this car for this. All that stuff will start happening once we know the outcome. But, but not knowing the outcome is a generative place where we can produce great amounts of internal fruit by being able to just sit with what is inside of us and and um, listen to it, be present with it, nurture it, um, uh, sort of treat it as if it were a, a seed growing. An acorn is just beginning to come up out of the ground. And the process has begun, but it's not complete yet. Um, so... So not knowing is a, a very profound sacred ground. And for that sacred ground, we need to take our shoes off, meaning we need to not be dressed for work in it. We need to not be, and I mean that metaphorically. I don't mean you should quit your jobs. I do mean metaphorically we should, we should be um, uh, doing something that's very, very personal, that's something that we would do at home where we do take our shoes off and walk around our homes barefoot where we're able to to just be be ourselves be you know put on your pajamas and and uh be with that all day and just and I don't mean that again literally I'm talking a metaphor here there may be a time when you have to put on your pajamas and not know what to do yet uh, in terms of a career we get fired and 
we go home and we don't know what to do next. And uh, we can get out the resume and dust it off and start working on that. But until we get some interviews, yeah, we don't know what to do. So there may be a literal time, but mostly I'm talking metaphorically where we are able to just be with ourselves as we are in the raw not trying to perform, not trying to put pressure on ourselves, not trying to say this is where you ought to go, just trying to be with what is. And what is, is I don't know what to do yet. And I always put yet at the end of that sentence. I very often have people come to see me and say, I just don't know what to do, I just don't know what to do. And I say, yet. And they go, well, am I ever going to know what to do? Well, we get into that place and there's such a pressure for us to believe that we've somehow failed that now we think we're stuck in that. And, you know, we, we're, we're supposed to know. And if we don't know, well, uh, what are we going to do? I mean, that's the end of the world, right? We, we, haven't, we haven't arrived. So I guess we're just failures. And that's how black and white our emotional responses are to, to reality. We don't think in terms of just being with ourselves and being in the flow and the process. We think in terms of blacks and whites, rights and wrongs. You know, do it, do it well or do it badly. There, there's just no gray area. And unfortunately, that kind of thinking has literally led many a person right on off the cliff. Um, that, and it was really just bad thinking. And bad thinking perpetuated by a society that supports that thinking. So we're, we have to really sort of exclude the external voices for a little while when we get to a place where we don't know. That's the first thing that we need to do is, well, no, excuse me. The first thing is we take off our shoes, meaning I'm just going to be myself here and see what's going on. Second thing we need to do is to just exclude the external voices, just not to say that they're not going to go off in our heads, but to be able to say, okay, I hear you, but I'm not following you because you're wrong. That pressure to perform is uh, an illegitimate pressure. That, that idea that I've failed, if I don't know, is wrong. Those things are wrong. So we can argue back with that and just kind of say, okay, I hear you. I know you're there. I got it. But no, I'm not doing that. Because here's the thing. There are many, many voices on the committee in each one of our heads. We all have a committee, and it has many voices on it. But guess what? We're the chairman of the committee. I am the chairman of my committee. You're the chairman of your committee. And we get to decide what we're going to do. So the voices can do whatever they want, but we're the deciding factor. Now, am I saying, oh, that's easy, just decide? No, I'm not saying it's easy. But it is something that we need to get very comfortable with in terms of the internal world. If we're going to traverse this inner terrain, we have to get very comfortable with the fact, and it is a fact, that we are the ultimate deciders, not the voices. So if a voice tells me to be afraid, does that mean I need to run and hide in the closet? No, it means I need to hear that voice and go, okay, well... What do you want me to be afraid of? What's, what's going on with this? And then I get to decide whether that's a rational fear or not. I get to decide whether or not it's taking me to some place that I need to understand about my past or whether it's taking me to a place that's just a, a puff of cloud. So I get to decide these things. Just because there's voices in there doesn't mean I have to obey them. So that's a real important part too. So we're going to be back right after this break to talk more about what to do when you don't know what to do. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. 
How can we grow both individually and collectively with greater ease and efficiency? Tune in to The Power of Presence with host John Hankey to learn about the relationship between meditation, hypnosis, NLP, Chinese medicine, sports psychology, personal evolution, and more. The show covers practical applications including mindfulness, conscious language, time management, nutrition, fitness, and holistic health to investigate how all of us can achieve our next level of fulfillment, well-being, and vitality. Listen every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave. Ask Theo Live is talk radio like you've never heard before. Following her near-death experience, world-renowned author and spiritual medium Sheila Gillette became the direct voice channel for Theo, a consortium of 12 archangels. Through this unique channel, Sheila and her co-host Marcus Gillette present you with an opportunity to speak directly with Theo live on air on any topic you wish to discuss, including receiving authentic messages from deceased loved ones and angelic guides. Get the answer you need by tuning in to Ask Theo Live Talk Radio. Tuesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. All day long, we sort out clutter in our minds and bodies, all the while trying to find that healing modality that will work for us. Tune in to Inner Mission with host Patty Campbell. Each week, we'll explore a deeper spirituality and the healing process. Everyone has the capability to heal themselves. Let us help you find your capability in the hopes that you will pay it forward. Intermission Journey to Wellness is broadcast live every Thursday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. The Authentic Living Show is sponsored by the American Institute of Holistic Theology. AIHT offers degrees in interfaith and interspiritual educational programs that enable you to not only find your own authentic spirituality, but to bring your unique gift to the world in service upon graduation. At AIHT, you can get a master's, doctorate, or ministerial bachelor's degree, and the doctoral programs are broken down so that you may get a PhD a Doctor of Ministry, or in the Holistic Theology Program, a Doctor of Theology degree. The programs in which you may get these degrees are Holistic Theology, Holistic Health, Holistic Ministries, Metaphysics, and Parapsychology. These courses offer depth and meaning to not only your own spiritual search for truth and meaning, but to your capacities to bring your healing, loving, guiding gifts to the world. The population of students includes doctors, lawyers, healers, nurses, ministers, counselors, psychologists, social workers, nutritionists, herbologists, homeopathy practitioners, psychics, mediums, and many others who have a special gift but need to learn to hone it and to credential it. 
It also includes students who simply wish to enhance their own profound spiritual journeys. What is most important to AIHT's model is the exploratory nature of studies that reach to the depths of all the world's religions, traditions, and paths, and even to transcend them, to find the mystical core of them all in order to facilitate your own journey to your own authentic spirituality by utilizing, as your text-writing teachers, spiritual experts from all over the world. You can learn more about what is offered by going to www.aiht.edu or if you'd like to talk directly to the admissions director, call Beverly Love at 800-650-4325. Again, you can go to www.aiht.edu or contact admissions director Beverly Love at 800-650-4325. You know, Oprah says education is the key to unlocking the world, a passport to freedom. Call and get your passport today. And we're talking today about what to do when you don't know what to do. And what we've said thus far is that that uh, one of the things we need to do at first is understand that this thing of not knowing what to do is holy ground. It is, uh, it is a place to take off your shoes. Uh, it is a place where we need to be able to recognize that we're in, a, we're in a gestation process. We're in a process in which the outcome of our creativity is right around the corner. And uh, we need to be able to take our shoes off and use the heel of our foot to plow the ground and plant seeds of creativity that we don't know how they're going to turn out. We don't know what they will be, but we plant the seeds anyway. Um, And then we also need to be able to sort of uh, be the chair of our committee in which we hear the voices of the external, but we decide what we're going to do with them. So... Those are the two things we've said thus far. The next thing is that we need to understand that being on holy ground means more than just um, sitting and contemplating your navel. It basically means that we are in a really sacred space. And if we um, really use that sacred space to meditate, to get in touch with the sacred, to to trust that we're in a sacred process, to be in that head as we go through our days, uh, to just sort of put ourselves back in the womb of the divine and say, okay, you can recreate me now. That process is one in which we, we, are, uh, we are being transformed. It's not one in which we are pushing the river to make transformation happen or trying to outguess the universe or bargain with the universe, but one in which we're just gently allowing ourselves to be transformed. So let's talk a little bit about the bargain with the universe and the pushing the river because those are the things that we classically do when we get into a place when we don't know what to do. Um, we, By pushing the river, I mean that we are uh, chomping at the bit to get something. It's, and we just you know grab this, grab that, grab the other, just grab something quick, quick, quick. i got to have something to hold on to because this feeling of not knowing makes me feel like I've fallen off the earth and I'm floating through space. And that very feeling is the feeling that uh, in the Buddhist uh, philosophy is called emptiness. And it's from that place that we are able to fall into our truest selves. So it's the place of emptiness. It's the place at the center of the wheel where nothing is. Uh, Lao Tzu uh, said, because of the place where nothing is, we have the use of a wheel. And basically what he's saying there is that place, now he was talking about wheels that had spokes, okay? He's not talking about modern day car uh, wheels, tires. Um, He's talking about the center where from that center the turning begins. And that is a very powerful, 
potent place, though it feels at first very empty. What we learn about the emptiness, however, is that it is full of everything. It is the nothingness that is everything. And uh, so we, so for us to say, I've got to grab hold of something quickly, is to say, I'm not going to stay here for the creative process. I'm leaving it now. Bye. And what happens is we miss another opportunity to find out, A, who we are and what we're going to do with who we are. Uh, so, so we need to be able to say, okay, I'm not just going to grab the first thing that comes along. I'm going to really think about this. Um, so let's say, and this very frequently happens, you know it as well as I do. Let's say we've just lost a relationship. We've gotten a divorce. We broke up with a partner or whatever. We are feeling lost. What's the first thing we want to do? Find another partner. Now, that's not always true. Many times we're like, I am sick of people. I don't even want to, have, I don't even want to look at somebody. It looks like they might be a partner. So that, and that's a good place, actually, because that allows us time to take in the emptiness and, and let this process gestate. But, uh, but very often what we find is that people will jump from one relationship to another, to another, to another, to another, to another, because they don't want to be there with the emptiness. They don't want to be there in that nothing that is everything. They don't want to be in that gestation process. They want a relationship now. Okay, and and we have this, again, the Western culture really um, adds to our dysfunctional thinking about relationship because we believe that people who are single are failures. A person who's single is a failure, and that's just not true. There are many times when being single is the appropriate, most appropriate thing we could possibly do for ourselves and for the world. Um, so, so this judgment, though, that we have from our world is that if you're single, well, you don't belong at the party. All those other people there are couples, so don't go. You're going to feel really uncomfortable because they're going to be judging you. They're going to be like, "What? The, you know, she's here with all of us. We have a relationship, and she doesn't. What the heck?" And very often, I, I I work with people who have that belief, and they've been invited to go somewhere this weekend coming up, and they've come to see me the Wednesday or Thursday before the weekend, and they're saying, "Well, you know, I got invited to my." My sister-in-law's party, and it sounds like a lot of fun, but I'm not going because everybody there is going to be a couple. And I go, well, okay, well, let's let's think about that for just a second because, you know, your your sister-in-law invited you for a reason, and their first thought is, oh, they're probably it's just a pity invite. They're just inviting me because you know, poor thing, she's single. But actually, what what very often turns out when they go to the party is that the single person is the one that everybody wants to hang out with because. They're, they're, you know, what, what the married people are looking on the other side, of the, the green on the other side of the fence and saying, oh, well, you know, this is a really a live person. We got kids and we don't sleep at night because we got kids and we're, we're tired all the time. And, you know, we, our days go work around our kids and, wow, this single person is really a lot of fun. Let's, let's hang out with her for a little while. That'll be a laugh. So um, we have these skewed ideas about what single really means. And uh, and so we think of ourselves as failures, failures anytime we're not in that performance mode. The performance being I have a relationship, I've got a job, I've got that house, I've got the picket fence, I've got the car, I've got the whatever it is that I was looking for, I've got it already. I'm good, I'm cool, I'm sitting on easy street. And uh, so when we've got those things, we, we are okay. When we don't have those things, well, we're just not okay. And that is how our Western culture has raised us to think. And sad to say, our Western culture, like as in many other ideas of our, and ideals of our Western culture, is wrong. Um, what is true 
is that there are many times when it's very, very appropriate for us to be single. In fact, the only time when it's not appropriate for us to be single is when we have someone who truly loves us and we want to be with them and they want to be with us and we truly love them, but we're refusing to do it because we don't really believe in ourselves. That would be the only time when it's not appropriate to be single. Every other time it's appropriate to be single. So we need to change our thinking with that regard. And, and again, you are the chairperson of the committee. The voice might come up and say, oh, you're a failure. You don't need to go to that party or that event or that whatever because you're single. You don't even need to walk down the streets and let anybody know that you're single. Oh, my gosh, you're single. You are a failure. You're a dud. You're just, you know, all those things we say about ourselves. Um, no, not true. And we need to be able to be the chairperson of the committee and decide for ourselves rather than letting our culture decide for us what we're going to do with that period of time. Because, again, it's a period of gestation, maybe maybe just forever. Maybe you want to stay single forever. I've certainly met some people who are extremely happy people who are single and do not want to be in a relationship, not because they're angry or hated or feel bitter, but just because it's just not their thing. And that's okay. So that, but that's not okay in our society. It's definitely not. So um, you get to decide whether you'll be with a partner and how you're going to think about whether or not you're going to be with a partner. So, okay, that, that, and that's just one example of many. Same with jobs, same with all kinds of other external criteria. So, uh, so, so that's one thing. The other is that that sacred ground is an opportunity for you to come into your divine self. And so when we think of oh, I've lost my job or my relationship or I'm stuck in this bad attitude or I've got, I've got this life stance that just is not working for me but I feel stuck. Uh, I've got this job that I just can't get out of because they need me or because I'm the only one here who can do it or because I just don't know that there's any other jobs that pay this well or whatever, whatever, all the many things we say to ourselves. If, we're, if we feel stuck in those ways, then what we're saying is my, my survival depends upon my being able to have this job, this relationship, this attitude, this life stance, this whatever. And that is a bargain with the universe. So bargains with the universe. A bargain with the universe says, if I, then the universe will. And that is the entirety of the, as we said in the very beginning of the show, the New Age Movement's idea about what the law of attraction is. Or it used to be the idea, I don't know that it is as much as it was, um, that it may be slowly shifting, I hope so. Uh, but uh, the idea was that if if I think positive thoughts, think positive images, images, make a vision board, and stay grateful all day every day, and make sure there's no po- negative feelings inside me, no negative thoughts inside me, then the universe will give me what I want. And what I want to say in response to that idea is if you can do all that, you don't need the universe to give you anything. You've already got it all. So uh, here's the thing. Uh, bargains with the universe indicate that the universe is, a, is something with which we can bargain. And the universe is not something with which we can bargain. It does not bargain with our puny little minds. It just doesn't. And, uh, and that is why that beautiful prayer of serenity that's used so often in AA and NA and CA groups then is also used in religious institutions and traditions around the world that basically says that we learn, need to learn to accept the things we cannot change and uh, change the things we can and have the wisdom to know the difference between the two. That's why it's that way because life, the universe, operates on its own um, – Agenda is not the word, but its own schedule, its own timing, its own uh, creative thrust, its own 
essence. It operates out of that. It doesn't operate out of our bargains. And so when we're bargaining, what we're saying is, well, I'm going to do this, 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 and this, and then I'll have that and that and that and that. Um, and uh, that's a bargain. So we need to catch ourselves in our bargains and say, okay, that's a bargain. That's me bargaining, uh, pretending to myself that if I do these things, then I will have what I want. When instead, I could be accepting what is and taking that and turning it into a tool. Because that is the beauty of accepting what is. What is is what is. I mean, uh, there are people out there who say it is what it is all the time. Not that I like that phrase very much, but when, when they're saying that, essentially what they mean is that, that there's a truth to the reality that is in front of me. Uh, sometimes they just mean, oh, well, life sucks and then you die. But uh, So it kind of is that attitude as well. But that's not what I mean when I say it. When I say it, I mean the that the reality has a gift for me. So let me see what that is. And that's not the way we've been taught to think. We've been taught to think that reality can crush us, that reality can um, take away our breath, that reality can... Uh, disempower us and it can keep us from having the life we want I hear people say all the time you ruined my life or he ruined my life or that event ruined my life and my belief is that the only person who can ruin your life is you the only thing that can ruin your life is you the only choice that can ruin your life is yours the only you're in charge you are the chairman of the board Regardless of what happens, whether you, you know, if you're on the board and you're the chairman of that board, if the company goes belly up, you have to decide what you're going to do with that. Um, if you, it, you know, whatever happens, you're, it's yours to decide what you're going to do with that. So I could walk out of here today and get hit by a bus, but does that mean that my life is over? Well, if I'm dead, this life is over, yes. But if I'm still alive, then I still have choices. And frankly, I believe I still have choices on the other side as well. But okay, but here, uh, I still have choices. I still have options. I still have things that I have to do. There's probably a grieving process I'll have to go through, and that will bring me gifts. And there's probably a creative process I have to go through, and that will bring me gifts. So everything has a gift in it, and that is what makes it holy ground. So bargaining keeps us from the holy ground. It says, if I hurry up and get this relationship, then I won't be a failure. If I hurry up and get another job, I won't be a failure. If I hurry up and, 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 and make everybody believe that I'm okay, then I won't be a failure. No, those are bargains. But if I say, okay, this, this is what is, I wonder where the gift is here. I wonder where the gift is here. And when we do that, what we're doing is looking at it from an entirely new perspective that says, there's a gift in here somewhere, and I'm going to find it. And, and those, the, 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 when we adjust to life in that way, we find that life is one promising adventure after another, that it, it never fails us, and that there's always something there for us. So we're going to talk some more about that right after the break. There's more to go. Don't, don't go away. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. 
In unified consciousness, we are all part of the spectrum. As individuals interconnected, there is no time, no space, just the all. Listen for Conscious Conversations with Joan and Janet, featuring hosts Joan Newcomb and Janet Barrett. Each week, Joan and Janet will provide new focal points for you to resonate with and explore. Their passion is to support your evolutionary growth and change. Conscious Conversations with Joan and Janet is broadcast live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Are you moving at the speed of everything else? If you are, then you probably don't seem to have the time to connect to your inner spirit, voice, and power. Haven't you wanted to connect with yourself again? Tune in to Intuitively Speaking with host Shauna Gulbrand. You'll be empowered to get reacquainted with who you are. You can find your sense of purpose, learn and heal with Shauna. This awareness can affect your life and those around you. Intuitively Speaking airs live on Mondays at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. On the program Inside Out, our outsides match our insides. Join host Beth Green along with co-host James Maynard for an insightful weekly journey that lets us all be real with no boundaries. We'll discuss current events, interview amazing guests, challenge old ideas, and see ourselves and our world more clearly. It's about you as much as us. So you're invited to call in, write in, and most of all, tune in. Listen for Inside Out, live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Okay, so today, so far, what we've said about what to do when you don't know what to do is that this place of not knowing what to do is, ho- is, is holy ground, that is a place of gestation, that is a place where we can uh, be still, and in that process of being still, just come to know more about who we are and what, what's being created inside of us as we move through it. Uh, it also is a place where we come to recognize the distinctions between the external voices and the internal voices. Um, and it also is a place where we begin to understand our own personal power. So I want to talk a little bit more about that piece. What, what I said in the last segment was that many of us believe that life can disempower us, that life has this ability to take things away from us that we must have, and without them we are nothing. And that is absolutely 100% false. Life has no more ability than that which you give it. You are the chooser. You are the one, you are the chairperson of your committee. You, you are the one who makes all the decisions with what white life gives you. So you're playing cards, you're dealt a hand, you decide what you're going to do with that. Are you going to fold? Are you going to go forward? Are you going to make your bid? What are you going to do? It's yours to do. 
So does is there are there things over which we have no control? Absolutely. And those are the most sacred of all things because they are the things that we can say, well, I didn't create this, but here it is. So there must be something really big in here because it's happened without without me touching it. And those are the things that you have to wonder if there might be some other energy besides yours in it. Now, the law of attraction, as it's taught in the New Age movement, and not the New Thought and the new uh, the Human Potential movement, but the New Age movement, where it's been taught, uh, what it's been said is that if bad things happen to you, you attracted them. And you should have been on your toes. You should have been thinking more positively. You should have been thinking uh, more, having more gratitude. You should have been working your vision boards. You should have been um, uh, rousing out that dark, sabotaging energy out of you. You should be, you know, walking around in your unconscious, stomping on the gravestones, raising the dead. You should be doing these things because if you're not doing those things, then you're a failure and you deserve what you get. And that's a really, I know that uh, if you asked one of the people who teach that, they would never say it just the way I said it. But ultimately, when someone doesn't get what they want, the first question is, what are you doing wrong? What, I mean, what, what can we do differently? So, Because you, you're obviously doing something wrong here. But the truth is, there are things that come to us strictly from the divine energies of this world. And they do not come to us because we ask for them. Uh, and... and um, those are the things that offer us a grand opportunity to um, to find out what 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 else is in there, what else is in there that I can do something with. So uh, so let's say I mean I remember reading a, um, a book many years ago, back probably twenty twenty five thirty years ago, um, about a girl who uh, and I'm trying to remember her name right now. I think it was Erica Young, not Young. Uh, Johns or something like that. She was, um, uh, she was paralyzed because she dove into a, a lake and hit a rock and it broke her neck. And she was uh, became a quadriplegic after that. And um, she wrote a couple of books. And one of the things that I remember very well in that book was that she'd been told that. Um, and it was from a very Christian perspective, but it's the same thing that we get in the New Age and uh, and, and a lot of the. In uh, just our culture, our secular culture as well, is that you know um, you should be healed. You should be finding a way to get up and get out of this. This is not right. You shouldn't be in this place. Because and so what she was getting from her church is, if she wasn't um, healed yet, then the, you know she wasn't praying enough or she was doing something wrong. And what a pressure to put on somebody who's already been through her ordeal. And all these people are walking around and using their hands and telling her how she, how she ought to be responding to her crisis about which they know absolutely nothing from their own experience. So uh, that, kind of, that kind of judgment does not help us. And our, our Western culture is constantly judging us, constantly judging us. We have a very dysfunctional Western culture. So let me just say that like it is. And uh, when we believe what it tells us, then we're going to end up being dysfunctional too. So we have to just disavow that stuff. Okay, so what we've said though is that we believe that life is dis- can disempower us. It can take away things from us that we have to have in order to have a good life. And that's just not true. Whatever it is that happens in our lives, uh, whether we have been instrumental in the causation or not, there's a gift in there. So let's talk about gifts. Um, 
I remember somebody that I was working with many years ago who said to me that she had wasted 10 years of her life on a husband who she didn't love and who didn't love her. And uh, she said that this this meant that, you know, she just wasted those years, and that's just terrible to waste 10 years of your life. You only have, what, 80, 90? And so she'd wasted 10, what, oh, my gosh, and she just couldn't get past that. So one day I said, oh, you know, I want you to go home and write down all the things that you learned, all the gifts that were given to you during that 10 years. And she came back and she said to me, you know what, here's what it is. I stayed alive. I, I learned to come to life during that time. Prior to that, she'd been in these very abusive situations. And this particular time of life had given her a lot of safety. You know, she was bored. She didn't really love her husband. And he didn't really love her. But they both felt safe. And for that safety, she found some time to get to know who she was. Well, there's just no bigger gift than that. There's just no bigger gift than that. Finding out who you are, really? Ah, that's it. That's all there is. So, you know, these things that we consider to be tragic failures or tragic uh, events in our lives have a gift for us. And so when we get to the place where, okay, this thing has happened, now what do I do? I don't know what to do. Or maybe we've just gotten stuck in a job that we don't like or a relationship we're not happy with or an attitude that we don't like anymore or or a life stance that just doesn't seem to work for us anymore. Any of those things can, can just make us feel like, okay, I don't know what to do now. And so when we get to that place... If we go looking for the gift, it will not be at, at, you know, found in the external world. The external world may affirm it, but that gift will not be found in the external world. It will be found in the internal world. It will be found inside of us. And I'm reminded of that old story. I think Clarissa Pinkola Estes told it on the radio show here, but I'm going to tell it again and not as well as she does. But uh, basically there were three sons who were told by their father that since they'd reached adulthood, now they were to go out into the world and find their treasure. And uh, he lined them up on this hilltop and he said, there's the world. There's your world. Here's some money for you to get started. Go. And one went east and the other went west and the third one stood there. And the father walks around him and he goes, what, what are you going to do? And it, he's just standing there. And the father, well, what are you going to do? And he's just standing there. The father keeps going around him in circles. What are you going to do? What Are you going? Are you going to just stand there? What are you doing? There's east, there's west, there's north, there's south. Go. And the guy just stood there. So he stood there for a while until the father just kind of threw up his hands and left. And then after the father left, the son starts digging right under his own feet. And he dug, dug, and he dug, and he dug, and he dug, and he finally found his treasure right there under his own feet. That's where you will find your gift. It will be right there in your present reality. It will not be off in some distant future reality. It will not be in your past. Oh, my gosh, I've lost that thing that I had, and it was my only treasure, and I can't have that anymore. My life is ruined. It will not be there. It will be right under your feet, right where you are today. That's where we need to look for it. It's in the what is. It is not in the what was. It is not in the what will be. It is in the what is. And so that's where we, we are most alive. That's where we have the most potential. That's where we are, come to the, mo- the most powerful, potent energies of ourselves is right here, right now, under our own feet. So you got fired from a job. Okay. Now what are you going to do? Well, it's not about what you're going to do. It's what you, what you are doing right now. So, it, it, yes, dust off the old resume. Spend some time sending that out to people. Yes, do all that. But while you're doing that, check out what jobs you're looking for. Are you really looking for the kind of job that 
that really thrills your soul? Because if not, this would be a great opportunity to start heading in that direction. Um, if you're in a job that you're stuck in, ask yourself some questions. Well, why do I feel stuck here? What is that all about? What is my stuckness about? Why am I staying here for a job I don't really like anymore or maybe never did? Uh, what am I doing? What, what am I up to here? And that's where you'll find your gift. Um, if you're stuck in a relationship where you don't love or the other person doesn't love you, you don't have to stay there. So what is keeping you there? There are no have-tos, so what is keeping you there? What, what's the bargain? It probably is a bargain somewhere. If I stay, then I'll, you know, if I go, then I'll, whatever. And, and you can ask yourself those questions. Get out a pen and piece of paper and really seriously ask yourself those questions and give yourself serious, honest qu- answers. You might find your gift right there. Um, when you're stuck in an attitude uh, about about life, that might mean that you're 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 just repeating the same kind of mantra to yourself over and over and over again. Life is hard, you know. You can't fight city hall. Or here's a here's another one, I, and that's definitely one. It's a sort of comes from the victim identity. Uh, another one is I've just got to keep uh, pleasing other people. I've just got to keep doing that. They're not going to like me if I don't do that. That's being stuck in an attitude. Um, I might be stuck in the attitude that says I'm guilty and responsible for everyone's happiness and I've got to keep making them happy. That's being stuck in an attitude. And people come to see me all the time stuck in this place and feeling like they can't get out. And the bargain they're making is if I don't do this, bad things are going to happen. I've got to keep thinking like I've always thought or something in me is going to die. And yes, something is going to die. The old role is going to die and the new you is going to spring forth from that. So um, there's your gift right there is that you get to find yourself underneath the old attitude that you no longer want. Uh, So these are the things that are opportunities for us to come into our own, to be able to blend what we have been with what is. And what I mean by that is there's nothing in the past that doesn't also have a gift that we can bring to us in the present and take home with us. One of the things, I went to a conference that was uh, taught by Caroline uh, Mace many years ago. And uh, one of the things that I remember her talking about is that we can leave pieces of ourselves in old relationships and old jobs and old projects and old things. Uh, you know, we're, we've, we've identified with that thing, that relationship, that object, that project, that whatever, and we've left a piece of ourselves back there with it. And one of the things that can happen when we don't know what to do, when we're in that period of not knowing what to do, is we can sort of gather all those pieces back together again and say, okay, I need that piece now. Let me have that back. I, I'm not given my old relationship power to define me anymore. I'm not given that old job power to tell me what I can and can't do, what my capacities are and aren't. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm now bringing those pieces back to my present reality, and I'm going to find out what's true and false inside me. I'm not going to let somebody else define that for me. So that that's a way of bringing ourselves into the present day and, and taking the gift that is there from the past and bringing it to the present. Um, so uh, the other thing is we very often bring our baggage with us into this new place of not knowing what to do. And so our baggage that we've been carrying around is a mantra. It's basically made up of a mantra that by which we define our identities. So um, 
Well, so I believe that I'm a person who's a good person. And the way I define my goodness is that I'm always kind to other people. I'm always there for other people. They can always turn to me for anything. Not so much the other way. I can't necessarily turn to them, but I'm always there for them, by golly, because that I'm a good person. I, I, I run my life that way. I run my business that way. I run everything that way that I am a good person. I can prove that I'm a good person because look what I did for this person and this person and this person and this person. You know, they didn't lie, they didn't treat me well in spite of how well I treated them. But look, look what all I've done. I can prove to myself now that I'm a good person and I'm living in that, that baggage. So now I come to this place where I don't know what to do. That baggage is coming with me. And this is a perfect opportunity to take all the the garbage out of those bags, you know, and decide what you're going to do with it. Some of it might be stuff you want to keep. Some of it might be stuff you want to lose. But it's definitely baggage, and we bring it with us into this empty space. And the empty space is an opportunity for us to really look at what all's there, you know. And this is the emptiness that is every the the nothing that is everything. The emptiness that has everything in it. That that's that's the place where we begin to be able to put things in their proper perspective, in their proper place in our lives. And 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 then we become the chairmen of our boards instead of letting all the variant voices on our board rule us, decide for us what we will do with the company that is me. Uh, so uh, in, that, in, in the process of, of coming to this place of not knowing what to do, we have to know that our baggage is coming with us. But that doesn't mean that now this is going to be a terrible time. Not knowing what to do can be one of the greatest adventures in our lives. Why? Because we are now free, totally free, without any constraints at all from some other agenda to find ourselves, to find out what it is that's true and false inside of ourselves, to find out what's garbage and what is to be kept, to find out what the essence of our our truest nature really is, the strengths, the beauties, the poetry, the metaphor, all of it. It's in there for us, and all we have to do is be in the unknown long enough to gather all that together. And then one day soon, we will just kind of go, okay, this is, this is it. This is what I'm going to do next. But until we've gone through that, through that process, we don't, what we do next will not be authentic. What we do next will not be authentic unless we go through the process of sitting with the mystery, sitting with the emptiness for a while until we let it become a generative process. So that's what we got for today. Uh, and uh, if you have questions about what to do when you don't know what to do, feel free to write me. I'll be happy to talk with you about that. Uh, in the meantime, remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. We'll be back next week. Be here for that. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.